0: I'm going to share with you my story. It's um, pretty goofy. I'll just let you know that right now. I don't remember my first day on this earth. I was born at a very early age. (laughs) Um, But my parents dedicated me to God on the day I was born to be a preacher. And uh, I didn't know that until later in life. My uh, mother's father was named Robert. And when my mother was 16 years old, he was shot in the back and and murdered. And uh, he was a preacher. And so I was named Robert to carry on the ministry, which he died before he could carry out. And I never knew that growing up. So they dedicated me to God on the day I was born. Uh, But my first memory, and this is uh, for those of you who are members of the church and heard me share a few weeks ago about all the accidents that I'd been in all my life. My first memory on this earth um, was an accident <laughs> that I was in. When I was three years old, I was riding my tricycle and and tried to negotiate a turn and didn't do it and went over a ravine and my two front teeth went completely through my bottom lip and there was a there's a scar on the bottom where they came out but they they punched through and then they got lodged in my lip and they didn't know that uh, until a few weeks or months afterwards they decided his teeth are still in his lips. So they had to go back in surgically and remove them. And then about a year or two later, this is all when I'm three, four five years old, they had to go in and remove scar tissue. But I, I never thought that they removed enough. I remember looking in the mirror as a little boy and thinking, you have the biggest bottom lip of any person I've, I've ever seen in my life. And then it was just kind of reinforced because other people would say, you know, they just kind of look at me and they'd say, you're bottom lip's kind of big isn't it and and, uh uh, and then when I went to band I remember when I joined the band the very first thing the band director said he looked at me he said you need to play the trombone because you got big lips and I think I think he was trying to I don't know be complimentary but you know to me it was just another person saying boy you are one freaky looking kid aren't you And uh, I remember even then when he said that, that there was a guy in our church that would play a trombone special every now and then, and uh, he had just huge lips too, you know, and I thought, you know, if I play the trombone, my lips are just going to get bigger, and then one day I'm going to stick my head out the window of the car, and my lips are just going to beat me to death, you know, they're going to be so big. So I I decided I didn't want to play trombone, I wanted to play saxophone, because, you know, you pull your lip in, maybe that might look smaller, but... It never worked. So, uh, I didn't know that years later people would be trying to make their lips look bigger. And so now I'm actually pretty good looking, you know. So I didn't know that though. But when I was a kid, you know, you just, you just think you're funny looking and you think uh, you're goofy and, and I was skinny. I was real skinny. And, uh, I, I never, I never thought that I looked normal. I don't know if you can relate to this. I looked at other people and I thought that's a normal looking person there and that's a normal looking person, but I am stupid looking and goofy looking and skinny. I mean I'm so skinny and I got these big lips. If I turn sideways I look like a zipper, you know, and that's the little And then I hated P E. You remember PE, you know, and one size fits all? That's a lie from hell. One size doesn't fit all. I just hate, and I remember, I hated PE because my legs were so skinny, and and, um, I remember one time coming out a little bit late, and the girls were in the gym. I remember thinking, who let the girls in the gym, you know? And then right in front of all the guys and all the girls, this guy says, who's a big, strong-looking guy, you know, he walks up to me, he says, hey, hey, let me help you. He said, Robert, you got a string hanging off your, oh, I'm sorry, that's your leg. (laughs) Yeah, I killed him in the fifth grade. But anyway, <laughs> that's the way I kinda, I grew up. Just thinking I, I'm different looking than everyone. I don't fit in. I don't, uh, I don't look like everyone else. I'm awkward, you know. Uh, and then, then, to top all this off, my first day of school, I found out I got a revelation of something I didn't know. I had a speech impediment, and I didn't know it. No one ever told me until I went to school. And my speech impediment was that I had never learned to pronounce my R's. Well, you know, one of our pastors here is named Tom Lane. Well, if your name's Tom Lane and you can't say your R's, you can make it, you know, through life. But when your name is Wabut Mois, (laughs) thank you very much for bringing up a very painful memory there just laughing like that. I appreciate that. I have four R's in my name. Two in my first name. Two in my last name. You know, I mean, I, I'm doomed. And I just, and uh, and when I when I went to this school and people said, what's your name? And I told them, they all laughed like you did a moment ago. <laughs> and so I went home and I said, I'm never going back to school again. I mean, I was traumatized by it, you know. And my parents said, no, you got to go to school and we'll get you a speech therapist. And so the school had a speech therapist and every day she would come by and get me out of class which again is just embarrassing you know you have to get up you're the freak you know then you have to leave the classroom and they did it during coloring every day it was kind of like you know freaks don't get to color you know (laughs) freaks have to leave and so i mean i would just sit there every day and pray that she would not come i said, dear god please let her have a car wreck today and not come get me out of class today and so that's kind of, that's the way it started. And I also, I remember running for um, class president early in school, and, and I didn't get it, you know. And then I ran for vice president, I didn't get that. I even ran for secretary. I mean, who can't get a secretary, you know, secretary treasurer? What did they do anyway, by the way? You know, there's no money there. So anyway, I, <laughs> But I didn't get anything I ever ran for. And I didn't get picked for sports. It's kind of like James was saying on that little video there. I was always the last person picked. I can remember this one time so vividly. I'm standing there with one other person, just one person. I'm thinking, dear God, please, please don't let me be the last person picked. And finally the guy chooses and said, all right. He said, we'll take Robert and y'all can have the girl. (laughs) So... (laughs) I thought, thank God for the girl, you know. So anyway, that was kind of the way I felt growing up. I just never felt like I fit in, you know. Um, I went to church, though, growing up. I went to church all the time. We were Baptists, so when you're Baptist, you go a lot. And we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and there were just all sorts of things to go to. And, And the first thing, my first remembrance of church was I was eight years old. And uh, I was in church, and they they decided to serve refreshments. <laughs> and, of course, we know it now as communion, yeah. And uh, I didn't know, though, that it was communion then. I just thought, man, they've come up with a great idea here because they finally figured out if they don't give us something to eat, we're not going to make it through this thing, you know. <laughs> so this plate came by, and it had these little pieces of bread in it. And uh, I thought, you know, they're little, but 10 or 12 of them, you know, probably tied me over. So I went to grab like a handful of them, you know, and my my dad said, you can't have that. And I said, why can't I have that? He said, you can't have that until you're a Christian, because you're not a Christian yet. You can't eat that. And I kind of sold up, and I thought, well, you know, a little bread. looked like someone stepped on it anyway. I don't don't want it. And uh, then another tray came along, and it was grape juice. And I love grape juice. And so I went to get some grape juice. My dad said, you can't have that. I said, how come? He said, because you're not a Christian yet. I, well, you know what my next question was, don't you? How do you become a Christian? I mean, if, if Christians get refreshments in church, and non-Christians don't get refreshments, then I want to be a Christian. I mean, that's very simple, right? I want to be a Christian. I would like to become a Christian, Dad. And so my dad said, well, we'll have the pastor come over and talk. to you. It's too late. The grape juice is three rows back. So the pastor comes over and he talks to me and... And, and you gotta, you gotta understand this, okay? I don't mean this wrong. I think we ought to try to share the gospel with children and all, but I think we need to be careful. And I'm sure the pastor did a great job sharing the gospel with me, but think about this, okay? I'm eight years old. I'm not below average intelligence i'm not above average intelligence but i'm not below average intelligence either okay so just think about this this is what i remember about what the pastor told me he said to me if you ask jesus into your heart when you die you will go to heaven if you don't ask jesus into your heart when you die you will go to hell would you like to ask jesus into your heart (laughs) again i'm not stupid i mean I, i got this I ask Jesus in, I go to heaven, I don't, I fry like a french fry, I got this. I would like to ask Jesus into my heart. So he said, okay, pray this prayer, I prayed a prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart. But listen to me, I didn't get saved. I didn't get saved. You can pray the prayer because you have to believe in your heart. You have to be drawn by the Holy Spirit. I was not drawn by the Holy Spirit, I was drawn by the grape juice. I wasn't saved, and so I grew up then, going to church, knowing about God, believing I was saved, but I wasn't saved. And I wanted so badly to be accepted. I just wanted to be accepted, and I was bad. I did things... Uh, because I got attention I did bad things Because I got attention And and I don't know why But I just You know you get in trouble In front of the whole class But at least somebody noticed you And I did all sorts of bad things And this uh, one teacher Though I'll never forget You know I, I think she liked me I really do Because I remember I walked by one day The teachers And I heard her say something And it just made me feel good so Here's what she said She said you know I wish that kid Were my kid for just one day It just made me feel good You know <laughs> She liked me. You know, at least one of my teachers liked me. Well, anyway, I got in junior high then. I, I uh, wanted to be accepted by the tough, cool crowd, and I wasn't, and, and the popular crowd. And, uh, and so I found this crowd that would accept me. And they uh, were very rebellious, and they smoked, and they drank, and they did drugs. And so I got into that simply because I just wanted to be accepted by someone. And I remember when I was 13 years old uh, is when I smoked my first joint. And I got high, and uh, I liked it. I liked it because I was able to escape reality. And you know what I found out? There are a lot of people, even that go to church, that are still escaping reality. There's a lot of men that have to have a few drinks in the evening, and they say stuff like, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink, it just says you can't get drunk, but the Bible does talk about not allowing Jesus to meet your needs. And there are a lot of people that are hooked on medication today, even prescription medication Simply because you will not allow Jesus to meet your needs. And I want to tell you something, He can meet your needs. He can meet all of your needs, I promise you. And so I got involved in drugs in, in junior high and high school, and it got worse. And I kept trying different drugs, cocaine and speed and things to get higher. And, but you know, really, the thing that has been the most difficult for me to overcome uh, from my teenage years is the immorality. I became a very, very immoral, immoral person. And I can remember even after I got saved, after I got saved and then in the ministry, I still fell morally. I've told the church that here before. The church knows this. I fell morally after I was in ministry in my early 20s. I had to come out of ministry, go through counseling, go through deliverance, get my life right with God, with my family. But I remember after getting my life right with the Lord and finally getting set free from that, Asking God, God, why did that have such a hold on me? And why was I such an immoral person? It, it just seemed easy to me. You know, one guy said to me, you know, that said, you're blessed. No, I was cursed. I was cursed because I was so immoral. And uh, so I asked the Lord, and I want to show you a scripture because I really think a lot of people can relate to this. Now, you don't have to turn to this. I'll just put it up on the screen for you. But I want to show you a why I believe I was so immoral. And I think there are a lot of you here that have fallen morally as well. And maybe you need to hear, you know, not many preachers talk about this part of their life. Maybe you need to hear this and understand this may be a root in your life as well. Hebrews 12 says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness... A lot of people know about the root of bitterness mentioned in the Bible, but they don't really know this is where it is and this is what it's talking about. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this... By this root of bitterness, many become defiled. Now let me tell you something about that word defiled. That word defiled in the Greek literally means morally defiled or sexually defiled. And then the very next verse, it's its amazing. People aren't going to read the next verse, but it's the same sentence. The very next verse, this is the way it starts. Lest there be any fornicator... Or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. In other words, someone that is so controlled by his flesh that he would sell his, his inheritance just to satisfy his flesh. That's the way I was. I was such an immoral person, I would do just about anything to satisfy my flesh. And I said to God, when I finally got free from this stuff, God, why was I such an immoral person? And the Lord took me to this scripture and He showed me this. It says, don't let a root of bitterness spring up. Let me paraphrase the verse for you. Don't let a root of bitterness spring up. Because if you have a root of bitterness, then the fruit that that root will produce will be sexual immorality. And then the very next verse says, lest there be a fornicator. Lest there be a fornicator. And again, we don't ever tie it together. So I said to the Lord, well, Lord, you're saying the reason I was so immoral was because I was bitter? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, who was I bitter at? Now listen to me carefully. This is what he said. Me. You were mad at me. Because I didn't make you the way you wanted or the way you thought I should have made you. You didn't like the way you looked. You didn't like the way you sounded, the way you talked. You didn't like that you weren't athletic enough, that you weren't smart enough. You didn't like that you weren't popular enough. And all through your growing up life, you got more and more angry at me. And the root of bitterness in your life open up a door to the immorality that you were in. And, and I want to tell you again, listen to me very carefully. I don't talk about the details of the immorality that I was in because there are young people present. I don't think I should, but I can relate to it. If you're here and you don't think I can relate to you, I can relate to you because I was an extremely immoral person in just about everything you can think of. I was very immoral. I want you to know something. I know what it's like to feel like a fake and a phony. I know what it's like to feel like a hypocrite. I've been there. I know what it's like to have things in your past that you hope you don't ever have to tell anyone. And I've told all, I've told all sorts of people. I've told the people closest to me. I've even told my children what's in my past because I want them to understand what God delivered me from. And I want you to understand something. I don't care how bad you've been. You've not been bad enough. That God can't save you. Because God delivered me from that stuff. And I know what it's like for 20 years now. I've walked in purity and accountability in that area of my life. So I was in terrible, terrible bondage. All this time I'm going to church. I went to all the youth camps. I remember at the youth camps, we'd always have a night where, you know, we're supposed to get right with God. And we had this great youth pastor that would come up with all these great ways to get right with God. But here was the problem again. They never seemed to work for me. I always felt like the outcast, the person that it wouldn't work for. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, one time, the youth pastor had us all go out in the woods and get a stick. And then we were to come back to this big bonfire that he had, and we were to throw our stick in the fire and say, This is my life for God. I'm going to burn up for God, you know? So the whole youth group's doing this. Everybody's going up one by one in front of the youth group. So I go up in front of the youth group, take my stick, I say, This is my life for God. Throw my stick in the fire, it hits another stick, rolls out of the fire into the lake. <laughs> and in every youth group, there's a commentator, there's somebody that just talks, Constantly, you know, and commentates on everything. Say, hey, Robert, you notice your stick fell out of the fire and it rolled into the lake. Your stick's not in the in the fire anymore, Robert. Your stick's in the lake. That's your that's your life for God, Robert. It's not in the fire. It's it's in the lake. Yes, thank you for sharing with all of us that. So the youth says, "Go get your stick." So I go down. I get my stick out of the lake. I take it back up. I. Put it in the fire, and I think, please, and I set it in there. You almost almost burn myself. Please stay in, stay stay in the fire. So I set it in there. Well, then, like 30 minutes later, my stick's not burning. And so the commentator says, Robert, did you notice your stick's not burning? There's something wrong with your sticks. I said, well, you know, it's probably just wet. You know, it got in the lake and it's just wet. Well, like three hours later, my stick's not burning. It's not burning. And so I, I, I know now what happened was, I, now again, see this, how it never worked for me. When we went out in the woods, I got a piece of petrified wood. All, no, no other kid gets petrified wood, just me. And so it's there, the whole fire burns down. And my stick is still there. And the next morning, we walk by, and the commentator says, You know, hey, Robert, your stick's still there. Here's your stick. It didn't burn. Your stick didn't burn. And then the next year, the the youth pastor came with this great idea that we would get these... He went to Dairy Queen and got these little boat things they're like what you put a banana split in those little things you know and he put a candle in it and we were supposed to light our candle and we were going to walk down to the lake and we're holding our little boat up like this and we're saying this is my life for god we're walking down the lake this is my life for god holding our little boat up you know well my candle kept going out and the commentator is right behind me in line so the commentator says stop y'all stop everybody stop robert's candle went out we're going to need to relight robert's candle his life for god is not burning so we relight my candle and we're walking along and it goes out again and so we relight it and it goes out again finally i just pulled my cigarette lighter out and held it up this is my life for god i'm just walking down with my cigarette lighter out you know I'm telling you the truth. This is the truth. When we got down to the lake, because I knew my candle wouldn't stay lit because the wick, for some reason, on my candle's too short. I pulled my switchblade out that I got on a mission trip to Mexico. I actually bought about eight of them and made a little profit when I got back. Anyway. And trim the wick so that my candle would finally stay lit. So I light the candle. Now it's burning. Everything's going good. So I'm watching the kids, how they're, they're putting their boats in. Because I don't want to mess this up. I don't want the commentator to commentate anymore, you know. So I'm watching everybody. And on the other side of the lake is this cross that's lit up. And all the boats are going toward the cross. To this day, I don't know how the youth pastor arranged this. But all of them are going toward the cross. And I just thought, man, this is just really cool and so I'm trying to wait to make sure see let me watch how everyone does this and then all of a sudden I'm the last one and so I'm thinking to myself oh maybe they'll just forget you know I'm kind of putting him behind my back of course who's there beside me the commentator wait wait he says Robert hadn't put his boat in yet everybody let's let's wait for Robert put his boat in the okay thanks so I go up there last one and I go and I'm thinking dear God dear God please help me if you've ever helped me help me and so I kind of push mine toward the cross well, when I pushed it, for some reason, I, I don't know what I did, I just pushed a little hard. The back end went around that way, the front end went that way, and my boat started going this way. Everybody's boat's going toward the cross, but my boat's not going. And the commentator, he says, hey, your, your boat's not going toward the cross, Robert. Did you notice that? Your boat's going away from the cross. Everybody else's boat is going toward the cross, but your boat is going away from the cross. Yes, I noticed that. So now everyone's watching my boat. And the youth pastor's trying to share something, and we're all looking. The youth pastor's standing this way, and all the boats are going. My boat's going this way. Everybody's watching my boat, you know. It's going out this way. Now, listen to me. I'm telling you the exact truth. The candle fell over in my boat. It caught on fire, burned, and sank. And the commentator commentated through the whole thing. Oh, no, he said, look, Robert, your your candle fell over. Oh, your boat's on fire. Oh, your boat sank. Your life for God burned and sank. That was my life growing up. I, I wanted to do the right thing. I never could. I never could. And here's why I never could. I never really knew Jesus. I knew about Him, but I didn't know Him. An evangelist came to our church. When I was 16 years old. He shared his testimony. He preached. And he was funny. He was just, I never remembered laughing in church until this evangelist came. It was like a very solemn place that you went to. Almost, it was very much like a funeral home. You know, it was the same type of atmosphere. And this guy was funny and he was energetic and and I I just thought, man, this is cool. And then I thought, you know, I, I need to live for God. And so I went down and rededicated my life again. And he came up to me afterwards and started talking to me. And, uh, he just, just took a liking to me. And he said, Hey, why don't you come with me next week and we'll do a skit as, as a youth fellowship. And, uh, and, and then and you just come with me. So I did. So I started traveling with this guy and doing funny stuff. And then he said to me one night, why don't you share your testimony? And so I shared my testimony. I said I was saved when I was eight, but I didn't understand everything. And I didn't read my Bible. And I didn't grow. And so I fell away. And, and now I've rededicated and everything's fine. And uh, the only problem with that testimony is it's not in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying that you're perfect after you get saved. But here was the problem. I never had a desire To really do the right thing. I was never empowered by God to do the right thing. And so I'm sharing that same testimony. A lot of people have that testimony. I was saved when I was young. But then I did all these horrible things later. And so here I was sharing this testimony. But I wasn't even saved. Well pretty soon because I had this speaking ability that the Lord had given me. I started preaching youth revivals. Now here's what you need to know though. While I was in high school preaching youth revivals. I was still getting high. And I was still being immoral. Because I didn't have the power of God to change my life, I, during that time I met Debbie. I was very drawn to Debbie, very attracted to her, obviously fell in love with her. One of the things though that attracted me to her you need to know was her purity and this is a, a very sad statement that I 'm about to make, but I never met a pure girl before. I knew that I know there were lots of them out. I know she wasn't the only one. I know there are a lot of them out there, I never met one, and I was totally intrigued. By her love for God. And see, she really got saved when she was nine. And she, had a, she, she wasn't religious. She, just, she had something that I didn't have. And I fell in love with her. And so we got married, and yet I was preaching. I slowly came out of that lifestyle of doing drugs. I slowly came out of that, that lifestyle. But I wasn't saved yet. Well, there's a funny thing about preaching. In order to preach, you've got to read the Bible. <laughs> so I was reading the Bible. And I was getting convicted. And then I was preparing sermons, and I was getting convicted by my own sermons. And so I stood up and preached, and I said, uh, I preached on the wheat and the tares. And I said, the only difference between the wheat and a tare is a tare looks exactly like a wheat, but it's empty on the inside. And when I got in the car with Debbie, I said to her, if I believe everything I preach today, I'm not saved. And this quiet little girl that hardly said anything said, then you're not saved. That's all she said. And I started thinking about my life. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit finally came, and I started seeing I was a sinner, and I was a bad sinner. And I got on a plane, and I flew to Kentucky, and I checked in this motel room called Jake's Motel, room 12. And in that motel room, I saw my life. And can I tell you something? To this day, I'm still ashamed of it. I'm still ashamed. God has taken the shame, but I'm still ashamed to even talk about it. I don't like talking about it. I wrestled all week with what I was going to tell you about my life because I don't like talking about it. You've got to understand something. A lot of people did drugs. A lot of people were immoral. I did it in God's house. The first time I ever smoked a cigarette was behind the sanctuary. The first time I ever uh, smoked a joint was between the Sunday school buildings. And this is a very shameful thing to say, but I'm going to tell you because I, I want to relate to every one of you here. I want you to understand. I know where you are. The first time I was ever immoral with a girl was in a Sunday school classroom. If anyone deserved to go to hell, I did. That's what I said to God that day. I didn't have good theology, but I was convicted. And I can remember saying that to God. In that motel room, I said, God, if anyone deserves to go to hell, it's me. And I can't change. And I don't know how to change. And I have tried. And I've walked the aisle. And I've prayed the prayers. And I've rededicated my life. But I cannot escape this, this bondage that I'm in and I don't know how to do it. And I remember saying this to God, I give up. I cannot do it. I give up. And I said, God, if you'll change me, please come in and change me. And that was all he was waiting for. And it was like God reached down and picked me up like you do a small child and said, you're my child now. You're my child. And I knew I was saved on that day. And I'm telling you, there are many of you here that need to truly be saved. You've walked the aisle, you've prayed prayers, you've done all sorts of things, but you've never given control of your life to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, if you're here today and you're still in charge of your life, you're going to hell. You're on your way to hell. The way you go to heaven is you give Jesus charge, control of your life. And nothing changed in my life until I let Jesus be in charge. That's my testimony. You know, I was thinking about this. And let me sum up my testimony for you in a little different way, okay? Here's my testimony I've been born again by the Word of God, and I'm kept by the power of God, and I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. I'm seedling heavenly places, and all things are under my feet, and I have authority over all the power of the enemy to tread on serpents and scorpions, and nothing shall by any means hurt me. I am born again by the word of God, which is not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, which lives and abides forever. And the angels here, mighty in strength, watch over the word to perform it, and the word never returns void without accomplishing what he sent it forth to to accomplish. And the word of God is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sweeter than honey, and it's purer than gold. And the word of God lives and abides forever." And I stand because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And because I'm saved, I'm going to let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the fashion of a man. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And because I'm saved... And because of the blood of Jesus, one day I'm going to see heaven open, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and wage war. And his eyes are of a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns, and he has a name written which no man knows but he himself. And he's clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies followed him from heaven, clothed in white linen, fine and clean, followed on white horses. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with the rod of iron because he treads the fierceness of the winepress of the wrath of almighty God and his name is king of kings and lord of lords and he saved me that's my testimony that's my testimony he lifted me up out of a horrible pit he lifted me out of the miry clay and he set my feet on solid rock and many and he put a new song in my mouth and many are going to hear that song and trust in the lord That's my testimony. Out of a horrible pit, God saved me, and He can save you too. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Do you know for sure? Do you know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Do you relate to some of the things that I talked about today? Never feeling like you fit in? Never feeling like you were good enough? You know, you're not here by accident. Maybe someone invited you, but you're not here by accident. You're here because God loves you, and God has been drawing you like He was drawing me in that motel room that day. And I'm wondering how many of you would be honest with me and let me help you right now find your way to God. The reason that I ask you to close your eyes is because I want you to just have a moment with God. I'm the only one looking around right now. And I'm not going to come to you or embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to be honest with me and with God. And I'm wondering how many of you would say, Robert, to be honest with you and with God, I am not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I know God loves me. I know Jesus died for me. Maybe you grew up in church or maybe you didn't. Maybe you walked the aisle or maybe you prayed prayers, but you'd be honest to say, I am not where God wants me to be right now. And I am just not sure. And I'm wondering, how many of you, come on, I want you to be honest with me in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to to just lift your hand in a moment if that's you. I want you to be honest. No one's looked around. How many of you would be honest to say, Robert, to be honest, I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I know God loves me. I know Jesus died for me. But I'm just not sure. And I want you to pray for me. Would you put your hand up where I can sit? Put it way up high. Put it way up high. Don't be afraid. Put it way up high. That's me. I'm not sure. Put it way up high. Come on, way up high. Hands all over. Hands all over. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Uh, Many, many hands. Probably over a hundred hands went up in this service. You can put your hands down. Listen to me. If that's you, don't leave that way. Let me lead you in a prayer right now. And you pray this from your heart and mean it. You wouldn't have raised your hand if you weren't under conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is drawing you right now. So here's what I want us to do. I want to lead you in a prayer. As I pray out loud, I want you just to pray this prayer silently in your heart. But you just pray it to God. I promise you God's going to hear. I promise you. So as I pray this prayer, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart right now. Just pray this silently in your heart right now. Say this to God. Dear God, just tell Him. Pray that. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Tell Him, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask you, to forgive me for all of my sin And I receive Jesus As my Lord And my Savior I give you complete control Now no one's looking around If you prayed that prayer And you really meant business with God I want you to put your hand back up right Put it way up high You ought to be proud to put it up You ought to be proud to put it up Put it way up high I prayed that prayer and I really meant it I really meant business with God God bless you. What's this is incredible. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, though. The Bible says if you'll confess me before me, and I'll confess you before my Father. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, we're going to all stand. We're going to have one more worship song. When we stand up, I'm going to ask you just to stand up and step out and come and face me at the altar with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar because I want to pray with you again at the altar by your coming I'm not going to ask you to say anything publicly but by your coming you'll be testifying to every person here that's it I've given my life to the Lord I'm driving a stake in the ground and I am not ashamed of it so I want you to make up your mind you won't be the only one but you ought to want to be the first one I want you to make up your mind right now as soon as we stand up you're going to stand up and you're going to step out and come all right Holy Spirit I pray that you'll give every person courage to make a public stand for you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand up. And as soon as you stand up, come on, just step out and come. Come on, right now. Don't wait to see if someone else is going to come. Come, just come to the altar here and face me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just come right down here to the altar. Come on. Come on. Come on, right here. Come on. Come on. All the way. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Alright, if you're here at the altar, I want to pray with you again. Here's the reason I want to pray with you again. Some people may not have prayed a moment ago and they decided to come now. But also I want to pray with you because we're going to do it a little bit differently. And that is this time we're going to pray out loud. Here's the reason. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So I'm going to ask you to confess with your mouth. Don't be embarrassed. The person beside you is going to do it too. And listen, Jesus died for you publicly on a cross. Don't ever be embarrassed to stand up for God, all right? So as I pray this out loud, I want you to repeat this prayer for me out loud now, okay? Pray this with me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. And I ask you to come into my life and save me today. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord.